Welcome to the Run Back to Jesus podcast, where we are going to let go of all the weights holding us down and run the race God designed us for. Episode number 15. We are so excited to dive in today. One of my limiting beliefs when I started this podcast was that I was not going to have enough to talk about and how many keep coming up with content. And I had to take that lie that was stopping me from starting this and just replace it with this truth that I will not always have enough to talk about, but God will always have something to say. And so if I stay rooted in his word and continue to pray and connect to him, he'll put the things on my heart that he wants me to share. And I feel like this is where this podcast episode came from this week. I've been reading the gospel of Luke. So we've been getting a lot from Luke because that's where I'm at. And this first struck me. And if before I go a little further, if you are someone who has just really struggled to get into scripture, if reading your Bible is hard, when I was first getting back into it, the place that I went first and it really helped me was the Gospels. I felt like these stories were very relatable. I felt like I needed to learn about Jesus first. And it was just a great way to ease into everything. And also, if you are just finding that you sit down with the Bible that you have at home and it's just really hard to read, there are a lot of different translations of the Bible and some of them just read easier. So I would encourage you just to look into that a little bit more. I never understood that, especially growing up. I didn't know that there was different versions of the Bible that you could read. I just always had the one in front of me. So sometimes just getting a different translation can help too. And so I came across this verse in Luke and I had read this before, but that's also the cool thing about the Bible. It's its living word, which means it can speak to you differently in different seasons. And sometimes different things will stand out or mean something different at different points in your life. And I just really love this verse. And so we did a bonus strength training workout for our prayer and workouts. And I actually use this as the entire message and context of it. And I'm like, we need to make a podcast episode on this. So if this topic is something when we get into it that you want more on and you want to do a strength training workout to it, it's already in our replay library and the links for all of that are down in the show notes. And so we're going to talk today about when life gets heavy. We're going to talk about when the weights of the world just push on our back and and what happens when they crush us and where is God in that? What is happening because of it? And and what should we do? And what should we do when these things happen to us? So we're going to go to the story of Peter. And this is in Luke chapter 22. And if you know anything about Peter, Peter got it wrong a lot. He struggled a lot. I mean, when he was asked to walk on water, he made a couple steps, but then completely doubted and started to drown. When Jesus first predicted the passion um, to the disciples, Peter tried to tell Jesus, oh, no, 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 there is no harm. We're not going to let anything bad happen to you. And Jesus in Matthew 16, 23, looks at Peter and he says to him, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. And then we know the story of when Peter denies Jesus three times when Jesus is on his way to the cross. And so Peter Peter faced a lot of heavy weights in his life and many things that I am sure would have broke me. I mean, if Jesus looked at me and said, get behind me, Satan, I'm pretty sure that I would have thought of myself as a complete failure. I would have lived with that shame, which is what the enemy wants. And I would have probably never wanted to show my face to Jesus again. I probably would have just withered away. <laughs> that would have been what would have happened to me. But we know that there's more in store for Peter. We know that even if some of those hard moments happen for us, that there's more in store for us. And so that's what we want to work through today. So if you are someone who has faced hardships If you feel like the weights of the world have just broke you down, you don't know if you can even get back up, let alone if you can ever be on the path with God again. I pray that this message speaks to you today. So this starts in Luke chapter 22, 
where Peter and all the disciples are having their last supper with Jesus. And Jesus looks to Peter while he's here talking to them. And he says, Simon, Simon. So just a little insert here. Peter's birth name was Simon. So sometimes you'll see the name Simon and that's actually Peter. Jesus changed Peter's name to Peter, um, which means the rock. And so here Jesus is looking at him and he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. And I read that. And for the first time, I'm like, what does sift all of you like wheat mean? I'm like, what on earth is that? So I had to do a little research. And so back in this time, when wheat was sifted, it was actually how they got the grain. So first they had to take the stalk of wheat and I watched this video of these group of women. They were literally just beating the wheat, like beating the stalk so that they could get the grain out. So it's this hard pounding. And once they do that, they have this grain, but there's an inedible part on it that has to be sifted. And so the Greek word for sift means to shake. And so they had this big thing. It looked like a ginormous, one of those like flower sifters. And it was a big circle and they just shook it back and forth back and forth over and over and over again. And the whole goal was to get rid of the impurities from it and also to expose those those things that weren't good in the grain. And so Satan wanted to shake Peter and the other disciples to their core. He wanted to find their weak areas. He wanted them to feel the hardship and he wanted to break them down. And so here's what Jesus says next to Peter. He says, but I have prayed that your own faith may not fail. And once you have turned back, you must strengthen your brothers. And he goes on to tell him that before the cock crows, you will deny me three times that you don't know me. And of course, Peter denies it. He's like, oh no, Jesus, I'm prepared to go to prison with you and die with you. He's like, no way that's happening. And, and Jesus knows. Jesus knows the outcome. He knows what will happen to Peter. He knows that Peter will deny him and fail him. And yet here is this perfect example of Jesus's love. He still prays for Peter. He still ate dinner with him and he still loved him through it all because he knew Peter would turn back and he knew Peter would be stronger because of it. And so the story goes, Satan sifted Peter. And how did he do it? He asked him questions. This is becoming a common theme. The same thing he did to Eve, right? He asked him through people three different times if he believes in Jesus, if he's a follower of Jesus, if he knows Jesus. And three different times, Peter denies being in relationship with Jesus. And they are like best friends. Peter and Jesus are extremely close and he denies it altogether. And then when the cock crows, Peter left the garden weeping and realizing what he had done. And so maybe you feel like Peter right now. Maybe you feel like no matter how many times you think you're going to get on track with Jesus, you just get it wrong over and over again. Maybe you've been in the place where the weights of the world just broke you down and they're not even things that you would expect, right? It's just people asking you questions, but then it just completely breaks you down. Or maybe the weights are pressing in on you now and you feel like you can't stand. You feel like the things are coming one right after another and you have no idea how you're going to get up, let alone be on the path with Jesus again. And maybe you're also wondering, why didn't Jesus stop it? right? It says that Satan demanded to do this. So it makes this idea that God had to give the okay for it. And so as I was researching this, as I feel like this question is all the time, why do bad things happen to good people? 
as I was looking at this, another time in scripture this happens, and this is in the book of Job. And so here the same thing happens. And I'm going to give you just like a really brief summary of the book of Job. This will probably be its own podcast someday. But the same kind of thing happens. So here we have Job. He's a good man. He obeys God. He is righteous. He is doing all the right things. And then you see this dialogue between Satan and God. And pretty much Satan is just like, you know, Job is only being good and honoring you because he's had blessings his whole life. He's not suffered. And so Satan asked if he can test Job. And he's like, I will test Job. And I guarantee you, God, Job won't worship you anymore. And God agrees. He tells Satan he can put some trials to Job. He just can't kill Job. And so Job faces all these trials. He goes through this whole roller coaster. He starts to think maybe God isn't just. Maybe God isn't in control. And he talks to these different friends who are kind of thinking the same thing. And then this fourth friend comes and and shares this different side. He says, maybe the reason you're facing this is to prevent future sin or maybe to build this necessary character. And then God and Job sit down and they talk and they have a conversation. And God shows Job that he is in control of the whole universe. But Job just sees and feels what he is facing. And he feels like what he's facing is unjust. Remember, he's been good and he's facing all these bad things. But that's because Job can only see his small little piece in his world. He can't see the big picture of the entire universe. And God explains to Job that in our world, we're not set up for perfection. We're not set up to have easy lives, but he asked him to trust him. And so Job repents. He humbles himself before God and God honors his struggle, his humility, and his prayer. And out of the goodness of God's heart, Job and his family, all the things they had were restored and then so much more. So they had more after they went through the suffering, but we don't see fully why suffering happens. But what we do see is to trust God's wisdom We see to trust his plan. We see how to work through prayer, that God is okay with us coming to him with all the questions, with saying, God, I don't know if this is just. I don't know. Are you in control? God's not afraid of those things, but ultimately is turning back to him and trusting him, repenting for the times where we don't have that trust in him and having that humility and knowing that God's plan is bigger than anything we can imagine. And sometimes that sufferings are meant to purify us. Sometimes they are meant to strengthen our soul, to teach us something that will prevent sin down the road, to teach us something that will help someone else and to know no matter what happens, God is in control. And we may not see the full meaning of that until we get to heaven with him. But knowing God's way is always the right way. Psalm 1830 says, as for God, his way is perfect. And it is. God's way is perfect despite sometimes feeling some of the hardest things that we have here. It's just that we can't see that fuller picture. And and we get to see a little bit of the fuller picture for Peter. This was not the end of Peter and Jesus. So Peter has this rock bottom moment. He's messed up over and over again, and he messes up again. And if you go to the end of John, you see that Jesus comes back. So yes, Peter denies Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross, but he comes back and he comes back to the disciples. And the first time he shows up in this closed room, he says, peace be with you. And again, another beautiful example of Jesus's love. The disciples have just turned away from him. His best friend, Peter, just denied him and he doesn't come back angry. He doesn't come back mad. He comes back and gives them peace. And then in the end of John, you'll see this day where Peter's out fishing in a boat and Jesus isn't with them at this time. And he's out in the boat and poor Peter's having another rough day. He is fishing. Some of the disciples are with him and they're not catching anything. 
big, poor Peter. He just always gets the struggle bus. And all of a sudden, this man from the shore just yells out and says, hey, put your net over the right side of the boat. I don't know who this man is. And I'm pretty sure if I'm on that boat, I'm thinking, okay, buddy, sure. You're over there on the shore and you're going to tell me where to fish. I've been throwing this net out all day and haven't caught anything. But sure, we'll humor you. Like that would have probably been my response. And they throw it over the right side of the net and they pull up that net or try to, and they can't because there's so many fish in it. And the disciples realize it's Jesus. And once Peter connects the dots, he is like, oh boy, here we go. He gets back to Jesus as fast as he can. He jumps out of the boat. He swims to the shore just so he can be back with Jesus. Peter knows what it's like to turn away from Jesus. And I just have to believe that that was that moment that was like, I will never turn away from him again. And I know I've had these moments in my life where it's like you hit rock bottom so hard that you are finally like, I'm not going to do that thing that gets me here again. And so he went back and he sat with Jesus and they had this beautiful meal together. And while they are at this meal, Jesus looks to Peter and this conversation is just so beautiful. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter says, yes, of course, Lord. And he says, Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. And then a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? A third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And every time Peter was able to say yes, three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. And I just thought, what a beautiful connection because three times when Peter was asked if he knew Jesus, he denied him. And it broke him down in probably one of the lowest moments. And now here he gets this chance to come back and say, yes, Lord, I love you. And and this moment, this moment when Jesus is asking him this is really important. And so I can't help but wonder, did Peter go through that hard time so that he was now prepared to say yes? Peter had to go through hardship to grow, to remove those outer shells, right? For the enemy to reveal his weak area so that Peter would have the strength to overcome those weaknesses. And God knew the hard seasons and the pain Peter went through, but he knew that that was going to mature him into the person who now had to be ready for this task that Jesus was going to give him. And Peter was going to become the foundation of the church. He was going to play a big role in the spread of the early church. And so sometimes these hard things, while they don't make sense in the moment, are preparing us for something that maybe we will see here on earth. And sometimes we don't. And last night we were walking through a sunflower field. We have this beautiful sunflower field in our community and there's this beautiful story to it. And so there was this little girl who she suffered from this form of brain cancer. And she ended up not living physically through this brain cancer. But during the whole round of her treatment, this is from their website and Maria's parents telling her story. They say she had tremendous character and dignity. They said her strength and courage and most of all her faith left marks on all the people around her and changed her parents forever. And while Maria faces cancer, it was a brain tumor. So she had horrible headaches, all these neurological things. But instead of thinking of herself, she prayed for the other children who were facing cancer and their families. And she prayed for the doctors that would help them. And she became a hero. And so her parents created this beautiful field of hope, this beautiful sunflower field. And when you walk through it, you see children who have fought cancer, who have made it and who have not. And these beautiful images of all these sweet children who their lives, their physical lives were taken far too early. And as we were walking through the field, we were there for probably 15, 20 minutes. The only person to cross our path, he looked at us and said, there's a big 
He used another word that started with an A. Whole. I'll keep it clean because I, I know your kids might be listening. And the only thing that someone said to us was the big hole in the field. And there was. There was some big hole in the middle of the path, right in the middle of the field, some animal had made. And I, I stopped and thought, and I'm like, wow, these children they face some of the lowest of the lows that we can in our flesh. And I'm sure that that left a huge hole in the hearts of their families and their loved ones. And that hole probably is always there. But then I looked up and I saw this field and I saw these beautiful sunflowers. I saw all the hope. I saw all the things that this sweet little girl, while cancer may have won in the flesh, right? And I know for me, that's always something I worry about is how, you know, being taken out of this earth too early. The enemy may have won by taking over her body in that regards, but her parents didn't let it live there. They let her soul and her life live on. And Maria is still here. Her foundation is helping with research for this type of cancer that is so deadly in children. She is spreading hope and joy just like she did while she was here on earth. And so this thing that was meant to physically take her out and completely destroy and devastate her family, which I'm sure it did in some ways, it didn't stay there. They didn't choose to live in the dark hole. They chose to look up and see the light. And they chose to live in that instead. Just like the thing that was meant to take Jesus out, killing his his body was the exact thing that he used to change the world. And I, I couldn't help but think that the trials aren't the absence of God. The trials are here showing us the presence of God. They are drawing us near and letting us see that while we may not understand it, while it may be horribly painful, God is revealing something to you through it. And that if you believe in him and if you love him, just like he asked Peter, if you can say, yes, Lord, I love you. He's going to take all those things, all those hard seasons that were meant to break you and take you out. And he's going to use them to help strengthen you, to help you become that version of yourself that he intended you to be so that you can walk in his identity while you're here and also to tend to his sheep and love his people. But it's believing these words of scripture. It's believing these words that have been passed down to us, that there is something bigger, that God is in control and that he has a bigger plan for us than we can even imagine. But it's not easy. It's not easy to do that. And Satan does not want you to do it. He wants to sift you and he wants you to not see the pure version of yourself that comes from that. He wants you to see the imperfections and he wants you to live there. And he wants you to live in those dark holes that can come through some of the trials. But if we recognize that, we can fight back because we walk by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We won't always see it, but we can trust that God is there. We can trust that he is bigger, that he is in control, that his understanding is so much greater than we can ever imagine and know that everything is always working out for his good if we can trust him and surrender. It's not easy. It takes a battle. It takes a community to help remind you of that. But boy, is it worth it. And so that is my hope and my prayer that even when the world weighs in, when it gets heavy, when you are broken down and when you do feel the weights of the world and it's okay to feel those things and it's okay to go to God mad and angry, but that at some point you can look up and see his goodness and see that his plan is working out bigger. And someday you will see the fullness of that when we sit with him in heaven. And so let's end today in prayer. God, thank you so much for being in control in my life. Thank you for the trials that have made me stronger. 
Thank you for the grace and the seasons where I didn't see your plan. And thank you for always walking with me and for always working even when I don't feel it. Help me to remember that just because I don't feel you working doesn't mean that you aren't. Help me to see my weak areas. Help me to see those areas and help me to see your strength in them so that those can become strengths through you. Jesus, thank you for loving me, for wrapping your arms around me when I'm hurting and I'm I'm caught up in the desires of my flesh and help me to keep focusing my eyes on you and all the beauty that you bring. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, as always, for being here. If you would like to go do a strength training workout and feel the weights of the world coming into your life, you can grab that with the link in the show notes. And this weekend, we're going to do another cardio-based workout to this. It's going to be a total body hit workout, so you can be inside, no equipment needed. We're going to move our bodies, and we're going to feel what it's like when the weight of the world comes, but how we can grow from that and how we can turn our eyes back to Jesus. You can enroll at palmrunning.com slash virtual events or see the link in the show notes. And as always, thank you for all of your shares, your ratings, sending this podcast to a friend, and most of all, for just running this race with us and always running back to Jesus. We'll see you again next week.